politics, culture, chaos. It's time to make sense of it all. It's time to have a little fun. This is your afternoon dose of sanity. This is the Rich Zioli Podcast. Well, the Rittenhouse prosecutor ended his closing arguments by holding an AR-15 and pointing it at the jury. I'm sure they really appreciated that very, very much. Good afternoon. Welcome to the podcast. How are you today? We had a great weekend as we get started with another wonderful week of podcast excellence. For you, I'll give you the latest on this trial. Um, who knows how it's going to go? I mean, I can't make predictions. Right now, The as we're speaking, the defense is giving their closing arguments right now, essentially saying that Kyle was acting in self-defense and uh, that even the prosecution's own witnesses essentially hurt their case. So I'll, I'll go through some of that with you as well. Uh, the The issue, of course, is what's going to happen after the trial's over if the jury acquits him. Will there be riots? Will there be chaos? I mean, the National Guard's out there already. Will the Biden Justice Department go after him? He's become a cause celeb for the left where they just have already decided this guy's guilty. I don't, I don't know if the guy's guilty or not, That's, but they've decided he's guilty. It doesn't seem to me like the prosecution's proved their case, that's for sure. I think, if anything, you can even question why the prosecution even filed charges. But, uh, but it is amazing, though. I'll admit, I have not watched every minute of the trial. I have not been in the courtroom. So I, I don't know. But you've got all these people on MSNBC and CNN who've already decided the guy's guilty. And that if he gets off today, it's only because of the judge. It's only because the judge is the kind of person that that's what the judge would do, basically. That's, that's you know, he's the judge is a terrible, terrible person. And there was, uh, there was a lot today, too, by the way, on the national front regarding the economy today. Jen Psaki Snarks just ended up giving her press conference. She just ended her press conference earlier today. And the uh, they have a new nickname for Joe Biden. Did you know this? Did you know that they called him Sheriff Joe? Did you know this? I knew Porn, Corn Pop knew that. Porn Cop, <laughs> Corn Pop knew that. Uh, Joe taught him that, no doubt. But, but, but you know, sometimes you just got to make up a good old-fashioned nickname for yourself. Don't you think? Sometimes you just got to make Say it up. Say that Mitch Landrieu uh, is starting his job uh, today. He's going to be in attendance at the, at the ceremony today. He'll be traveling with the president tomorrow, and then uh, he will be getting to work uh, right away. And uh, as our executive order is an indication of, the president is very focused. They call him Sheriff Joe for a reason um, on the implementation of this, making sure we keep uh, waste, fraud, and uh, abuse. Uh, we prevent waste, fraud and abuse and that we are working directly uh, for hours a day, which is what Mitch Lander will be doing with governors, local officials and others. I expect we will have more to say on how that will work, what that work will look like as Mitch Lander gets uh, his role underway. Can you talk a little bit about how the president's message is going to be to voters? Sheriff Joe. They call him Sheriff Joe for a reason because Corn Pop was a bad dude. Also, it's good to know, you should know, we are not in the middle of an economic crisis right now. Did you know that? We're not in the middle of that. uh, I would just note that this is not, you know, sometimes it's, and not saying you're doing this, but sometimes people compare this to the Recovery Act of 2009. It Mm -hmm. is not that. We are not in the middle of uh, an economic, a historic economic crisis right now. This is an opportunity. Did you know that we're not in the middle of economic crisis? Good. Fantastic. I'm so certainly glad to hear that. Certainly glad to hear that. That's very, very helpful. Uh, the Deuce, Peter Ducey today, confronted the White House on President Biden calling Kyle Rittenhouse a white supremacist. Remember, at the time of this podcast right now, uh, he is an innocent man. He is an innocent man, Kyle Rittenhouse. But the White House called him a white supremacist. And that's a real problem. It really is. 
Also, I should mention to you, too, the prosecutor said the most idiotic thing today, claiming that you lose the right to self-defense when you're the one who brought the gun. Hmm. Interesting. Not true, by the way, as a matter of constitutional law. But nevertheless, you lose the right to self-defense when you're the one who brought the gun. Now, think about that for a moment. Actually, I'll read you what David French said about this. David French is a pretty savvy guy when it comes to this stuff. He's a lawyer. He said, this is completely wrong as a matter of law. There are certainly circumstances where an unarmed man can charge an armed man and create a reasonable fear of death or serious bodily harm. Well, of course, the purpose of having a firearm is absolutely about self-defense. So, obviously, then, if you bring a gun, it's a, it's a defensive... I mean, look, a weapon is used for defense. That's the whole purpose of a good gun owner knows that. You have a gun for defense. And you hope you always stay on defense, but it's about self-defense is what it's about. The weapon being, in this case, a firearm being the weapon to protect yourself, but that's what it's always been about. We know that. And yet that's what he threw out there today, this idiotic statement about that. I- idiotic. The prosecutor also said today that Kenosha was uh, full of heroes. The situation is the crowd have perfect knowledge. When they're told that person running up the street just shot someone, we don't have time in the moment to go back and take a look at the body and replay the video and make a decision before going after the person with the gun. You know, we've had several police officers testify that in an active shooter situation, their first instinct, their first training is to go in and stop the threat. They don't sit there and wonder, well, maybe it was self-defense. I don't know. I'm going to, you know, let, wait and see. And every day we read about heroes that stop active shooters. That's what was going on here. And that crowd was right. And that crowd was full of heroes. And that crowd heroes did something that, honestly, I'm not sure I would have had the courage to do. If I see a guy running up the street with an AR-15 and I hear he just shot somebody. The crowd that was burning the city, a crowd full of heroes. You hear that? Got that? The crowd was burning the city, setting it on fire, and they are a bunch of heroes. Got it? So now we're at a place now where if you are an armed person, you immediately lose your right to self-defense. You, you basically now, if you have a gun, a gun is only now used, obviously, to go on offense. Now, that is the, by far the, the craziest thing I've ever heard in my life. It's dangerous by far to say that. I mean, it's incredibly dangerous. But this is what the prosecutor said today. And just think about that. You have a constitutional right to be armed. You have a constitutional right to have a firearm. You have a constitutional right to use this for self-defense. There have been so many cases that have proven the need for and the right to self-defense. But this is what the prosecutor said. Convince you that Joseph Rosenbaum was going to take that gun and use it on the defendant because they know... You can't claim self-defense against an unarmed man like this. You lose the right to self-defense when you're the one who brought the gun, when you're the one creating the danger, when you're the one provoking other people. The defendant fired four shots at Joseph Rosenbaum and caused five wounds total. The first shot... Yeah. Well, you know... If you lose your right to self-defense when you have a gun, does that mean that anybody who doesn't have a gun can do anything they want to you? Charge you with a knife? Charge you with a car? Charge you with, uh, I, I mean, there's a, there's a million, what about their hands? Their hand, I mean, hands can be a weapon. So it's good to know, though, that you will, by getting a gun, you will immediately cancel out your right to, right to self-defense. That, but that's about as dangerous as it gets, is it not?
The prosecutor today in the Rittenhouse trial showed images from Patrick Swayze's roadhouse in closing arguments today. By the way, when I say earlier, I don't know if he's guilty or not. It means it just means that I, I, I have not seen the full trial. So I wait. I, I'm sober minded. I think that the prosecution's done a terrible job of proving their case. It appears to me, and that's all I go with. I go with that because Kyle Rittenhouse is an innocent man. It's not up to him to prove that he's innocent in the eyes of our criminal justice system. The prosecution has to prove he's guilty, and I don't think they've done that. Now, obviously, I don't know what really happened that night. I wasn't there. That's why you go to court. But based on everything I've heard, I'm coming to that conclusion. But what amazes me, though, is how the left has decided he's guilty, even though they're not in the room, even though they're not in, in court. And that's something, how they do that. In the closing argument today, the prosecution in the Kyle Rittenhouse trial curiously opted to show an image from the 1989 action film Roadhouse starring Patrick Swayze. Rittenhouse was 17 years old when he shot three men, killing two. Uh, and today, apparently now, the, the judge, after he dismissed the charge of Rittenhouse being a minor possessing a firearm, what the prosecutor said was, now the defense wants you to think Joseph Rosenbaum was there to attack the defendant, said the prosecutor as the image was shown in the courtroom. And he actually showed this picture from Roadhouse, from Roadhouse and said the defendant brought a gun to a fist fight. I kid you not. We'll never know what Joseph Rosenbaum was thinking about the defendant. Uh, so we're just guessing. But let's assume for a minute, yeah, Joseph Rosenbaum is chasing after the defendant because he wants to do some physical harm to him. He's an unarmed man. This is a bar fight. This is a fist fight. This is a fight that maybe many of you have been involved in. Two people hand-to-hand -hand were throwing punches, were pushing, were shoving, were whatever. But what you don't do is you don't bring a gun to a fist fight. What the defendant wants you to believe is because he's the one who brought the gun, he gets to kill. And literally show the picture from Roadhouse of a famous fight scene with Patrick Swayze. Um, so there, there you go. See if I can get, see if I can, here we go, get the audio of this. Now the defense wants you to think Joseph Rosenbaum was there to attack the defendant. We'll never know what Joseph Rosenbaum was thinking because the defendant killed him. So we're just guessing. But let's assume for a minute, yeah, Joseph Rosenbaum is chasing after the defendant because he wants to do some physical harm to him. He's an unarmed man. This is a bar fight. This is a fist fight. This is a fight that maybe many of you have been involved in. Two people, hand to hand, we're throwing punches, we're pushing, we're shoving, we're whatever. But what you don't do is you don't bring a gun to a fist fight. Have, has anybody ever heard of somebody getting beaten to death in, in, in life? You, you've heard of that, right? People have been beaten to death? Yes. Now, <clears throat> Remember how I said, I, I don't know how this is going to go. I haven't decided yet. The left has already decided that if, in fact, Kyle Rittenhouse gets off today or tomorrow, whenever the jury comes back, it won't be because of justice. It won't be because the prosecution failed to prove its case. Remember, this is not about Kyle Rittenhouse having to prove his innocence. This is about the prosecution having to prove that he's guilty. That's a very important point. That's why you notice my phrasing of this where I say, I don't know if he's guilty. It's because that's the job of the state to prove it. And if the state can't prove it, and I don't think they've done so, then he doesn't have to go to prison. He may he may not be innocent, by the way, but that's not relevant to our criminal justice system. You don't have to find somebody innocent. You have to find them not guilty beyond a reasonable doubt. So the question is, and this is a really important point, if the state can't prove that he's guilty, then he walks. Whether he's guilty or not is irrelevant. The state has to prove that. And if they can't prove it, well, then they haven't done their job. The job that the taxpayers pay them to do, by the way. 
this is this is what the uh, this is a little supercut from Grabian here about why why it is if in fact Kyle does get off, it's only because the judge. I don't see worst. how anybody can say that this judge is not biased and is not leaning in a certain direction. I think that the behavior of the judge in totality is the problem. This judge is an absolute joke. He's been a joke from the very beginning. Clearly, this guy has biases that are affecting the administration of this case. I completely agree from my observation that the judge is entirely biased. The judge is making it pretty much impossible for the jury to actually consider all the facts and come up with a, um, a verdict where justice will be served. You've tweeted and talked about the fact that the judge is racist. And you think that impacts how he is managing this trial? He has made a series of decisions. Each one perhaps may be individually defensible, but in totality lead to the impression of a biased, racist judge with his Trump rally cell phone um, uh, that is trying to get Rittenhouse uh, a walk. God bless the USA ringtone, which is the Trump rally theme song. God bless the USA. God bless the USA is now the Trump rally theme song. Got it? Okay, just making sure you got that. It appears that this judge is auditioning for the cameras and looking for his next gig on Fox News. He sounds like he's watched too much Bill O'Reilly. I mean, he's acting like Archie Bunker in there. When the judge asks the entire room if there are any veterans here and demands that the entire room clap for a veteran, and the one veteran in the room happens to be the expert witness coming forth to testify on behalf of Kyle Rittenhouse, that's an example of a pretty biased uh, courtroom. How the guy talked about the lunch order, I don't get it. The Asian joke? I don't get it. I don't know that he even made an Asian joke. He didn't. He didn't make an Asian joke, the judge. What he said was that, I hope our lunch is not coming on one of those ships that are sitting outside the port of Los Angeles. He made a supply chain joke. Not an Asian joke, a supply chain joke. He had happened to order Asian food, but that's not relevant to... to, I mean, look, if you're anti-Asian to even order Asian food, I I don't even know. I don't know how that works. I'm not sure. I I don't know the answer to that. But he didn't make an Asian joke. He made a supply chain joke. The joke was, hey, look, all those ships out there that are sitting out there, I hope they don't have our lunch order on it. The lunch he ordered just happened to be Chinese food. So how is that an Asian joke exactly? It's a supply chain container ship joke. I know that I'm not allowed to judge it because I'm not Asian. The judge has had wait, wait, so many... Mo- but it wasn't an Asian joke. Um, and now the Lester Cuomo is now the lesser non-Asian who can't judge Asian jokes. Oh, okay. Moments in this case that bring into question... His own biases. Whether it's the ringtone, whether it's the Asian. The God bless America ringtone. God bless America, which is now a racist Trump song. Got it. And the Asian joke, which was a supply chain joke. Got it. Statement, whether it's the applause. You didn't mention the applause for a defense witness because he was a veteran. Those things really impact people. How dare you stand and, and respect our veterans on Veterans Day? How dare you do these things, or any day? Feeling that that this is a courtroom that we can have trust in. This guy, maybe, you know, legally, he's right about things. I've been listening to the legal folks. But certainly his demeanor, the way he speaks to the prosecution, the way he looks at Kyle Rittenhouse like his grandson. I mean, come on, America. Come on, America, wake up. That's from Grabian, by the way. Our friends over at Grabian. Great job by Grabian on that. Oops. Let's cut through the BS. This is the Rich Zioli Podcast. 
All right, and uh, as we're speaking right now, President Biden is signing the infrastructure bill. They are taking the uh, closing arguments in the Kyle Rittenhouse uh, trial live, though, right now. Not that. By the way, did you hear rock star Beto O'Rourke announcing his run for governor today? Rock star. Rock star. Uh, you remember the media fawning over Beto O'Rourke? I'll have to find that montage that we made up for, for the morning show and play it at some point. That'll be a lot of fun. Um, that'll be really, really good. But let me s- s- give you some, uh, some o- other news going on today. Uh, some other news, yes. Um, so <clears throat> let's see now, right now. In the trial here today, Binger, Binger said, the prosecutor said, um, he said, Rittenhouse could have stayed at Mr. Rosenbaum's body, helped protect him, called 911. He could have fired warning shots to keep the crowd away. He could have dropped the gun. He could have raised his hands and surrendered. Now, as people pointed out, you never fire warning shots. If you fire bullets in the air or to the side and those bullets hit and kill someone, you would have been prosecuted for murder. I mean, that's the truth, right? Reckless endangerment. If you drop the gun and somebody else had picked it up and then used it for a crime, that also might have been one of those situations where you would have also been in serious, serious trouble. So we got we, we have the prosecutor calling the crowd a crowd full of heroes lying about the fact that you lose your Second Amendment rights, as he said, if you uh, you, you lose your self-defense rights, if you are the one with the gun. So a lot of this nonsense that's going on, a lot of this nonsense that's happening today, Biden took a victory lap on infrastructure and, of course, thanking cocaine Mitch for this. Look, committee chair Tom Carper, ranking member Shelley Moore Capito. I also want to thank Minority Leader Mitch McConnell for voting for this bill and talking about how useful and important it is. And from the- Mitch McConnell, thank you, Mitch. Thank you, for Mitch, for giving the Democrats their win, their first win. Oh, unbelievable, honestly. It's like, what can you, can you just stop helping them when they're down? Can you just stop helping them when they're down? How about there's this? Reporting indicating that there's a lower vaccination rate in some of the intelligence agencies. Congressman Chris Stewart has said that some are up as high as 40% unvaccinated. Um, there's also been similar reporting on vaccine holdouts at key military bases. Real Clear Politics said there's around 10% of highly educated and trained personnel refusing the vaccine. At one of the- Let's see about that. Our intelligence community, the vaccination rates are low. Wouldn't you want spies to not be vaccinated against COVID so they could theoretically give it to the enemy and kill them? Huh? Oh, speaking of, of uh, huh, how about this today? Biden, uh, a few moments ago in his speech today, here we go. This is uh, the president. I want to thank everyone who helped make this happen. Vice President Harris, my cabinet members, my White House team, Jill, Doug, our first lady and our, our first lady and our second husband. No, I'm joking. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Did you get that, everybody? Did you get that? Okay. First in the, in the first man and the second... And then the, yeah, all right. Uh, Biden also said today right now that no one earning less than $400,000. Well, this is one of the great lies of our time here today, and the president's repeating it. And no one, no one earning less than $400,000 a year will pay a single penny in federal taxes because of it. Does anybody believe that? Whether you make $400,000 or you make $4 a year, does anybody believe that for a second, that no one under $400,000 is going to pay a penny more in taxes? I mean, really, does any, there's not a human being on the planet who really buys that BS, right? Okay, just checking. I want to make sure that it's not just me. Uh, as part of the nonsense of today, this infrastructure bill, by the way, is now going to require that your car tell whether or not you've been drinking before it will start. 
Now, I don't know about you, but I like to trick my car by getting it drunk first. But this car, I mean, this is just stupid. Warning lights and noises. And now what it's going to be is very, very simple. It's going to now be new technology to determine if we're intoxicated or if the technology just goes haywire, the car won't go anywhere, basically. Now, remember something. This has not actually been invented yet. This is going to be something that we have to pay for for them to invent. Yes. The one guarantee... According to Reason.com, is we'll have to pay for the added complexity as we're forced to use nanny state systems jointly developed by the auto industry and the federal government. Quote from the bill that the president just signed. No later than three years after the date of enactment of this act, the secretary shall issue a final rule prescribing a federal motor vehicle safety standard under Section 30111 of Title 49 United States Code that requires passenger motor vehicles manufactured after the effective date of that standard to be equipped with advanced drunk and impaired driving prevention technology reads a language buried in the massive and recently passed federal infrastructure bill the bill defines the technology as a system that can passively monitor the performance of a driver of a motor vehicle to accurately identify whether that driver may be impaired and passively and accurately detect whether that blood alcohol concentration of a driver is above 0.08 percent if the system decides the driver is being naughty it will prevent or limit motor vehicle operation if an impairment is detected Obviously, they have to create the technology. They have to create the system to do all this, obviously. Today, the Automotive Coalition for Traffic Safety, a Virginia nonprofit, announced that the first product equipped with the new alcohol detection technology will be available for open, open licensing in commercial vehicles for the first time ever. In late 2021, the group announced on June 2nd of this year. The new technology is a result of extensive research, development, and testing by this program, which is a public-private partnership. Now, What's amazing about this, though, of course, is for the first pass at integrating alcohol detection technology in cars and trucks, drivers will provide a puff of breath directed toward a small sensor, which can be outfitted in the steering column or side door trim. This is intended for fleet vehicles, though the federal legislation makes it clear the goal is to build the technology into all automobiles in the next several years. Now, they say future implementations of the technology are intended to be less intrusive, monitoring blood alcohol content without requiring any actions by the driver... Because remember something, one thing that you could do with this new thing is, of course, get somebody to blow for you, right? I mean, they could, of course, do that. They promise that the system will be able to distinguish between drivers and passengers. If an excessive blood alcohol concentration is detected, the technology will prevent a vehicle from starting or unlocking a vehicle's transmission, they say. But maybe, maybe it won't. I mean, like all technology, sometimes you have to unplug it and plug it back in to get it to work. Have you noticed that about technology? The first thing I do when something doesn't work is I hit the old system reset and reboot it. How many times have I had to do that with this podcast? A lot. But you unplug and you plug it back in. Now, the other question is this. What happens if somebody doesn't know what to do if the technology craps down? Right? What happens with that? What happened back in the 1970s, seatbelt interlocks were mandatory in the 1970s until an infuriated public pushed back against technology that prevented cars from starting unless they buckled up. Now, if the sensors went bad, of course, you were in a lot of trouble. The result was that grandma's grocery bags and guard dogs alike triggered the no start unless the belts or the front seats were occupied and were fastened first. Mike Davis, who liked the law, wrote for 
Detroit bureau in 2009, he said, plus people rejecting the big brother attitude of forcing them to buckle up before they brought bought into the notion. Well, not only that, but I mean, it's not just a matter of people not liking big brother. People don't like technology that stinks, right? That doesn't even work and sometimes just completely breaks down. And there were a lot of this stuff over the years, if you remember, and you can figure out how to get around it. Look, go on YouTube right now and, and type in how to disable seatbelt alarms. Like I've, I mean, have you ever been in a car with somebody and they go, can you please buckle up? He's like, ding, 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 ding. And oh, it's annoying. The EPA also has required idle start stop features. You can disable those too. You can just disable anything, obviously. But remember who won't disable these things. People like you and I who follow the law and don't drink and drive. The people that will disable them are the people that are drunk drivers, chronic drinkers and drivers, people that do it all the time. I'm not talking about a guy who's one off by going out to dinner and having two glasses of wine. He shouldn't drive. I mean, the guys that go out and drink every night and think this is BS. They're going to be the first ones to figure out a way around this. And they'll put it online and other people will figure it out too. There's always going to be a way around that. But what will it cost is the question, right? Even though all this has to be invented yet and still has to be figured out, how, how much will it cost? Somewhere around $300 to $400 the cost of a vehicle. Maybe even more. They're not quite sure yet. But at least it's going to be at least maybe $500. That's what we do know. And then you might say to yourself, yeah, but that's a lot cheaper than if somebody gets a drunk driving infraction. Well, that's true. But then here's the other question. The states rely on all that money right now for a lot of different things. The average DWI is like, what, 10 grand or something like that. So that's going to be a lot of loss of revenue, number one. Number two, what happens when you have an emergency or something like that and the car doesn't start? Now, they claim that there's going to be an emergency override feature, but it's going to immediately alert law enforcement to your location. So now think about this. You get in the car, you're not drunk. The car won't start because it thinks you are. But now you've got to absolutely get somewhere. So you hit the override feature. You hit the gas and you go. Two minutes later, you're pulled over down the street. Now you've got to deal with that whole issue. And I can't wait until the first person gets into it with the cops who wasn't supposed to be stopped and they're taken out of the car and then they're frisked and it's on YouTube and it becomes a national issue. And then we hear about defund police again or something like that or defund at least these stupid breathalyzer devices. They'll give law enforcement another tool to invade everyone's privacy as soon as they enter a vehicle, said the National Motorist Association, and they're absolutely right. And also, too, I mean, if you say it's only three or $400 for additional on the cost of a car, not only that, but, I mean, everything's going up right now. Can we just get a break somewhere? This is what they said regarding this, the National Motorist Association blog. They said, uh, it's by Joe Cadillac, founder of the Mass Privatel blog. Says Big Brother will soon be able to stop a person from driving their car if it detects any alcohol in their breath. The Automotive Coalition for Traffic Safety and the Driver Alcohol Detection System for Safety have created this open source in-air alcohol detection system for new vehicles. But of course now this is in-air, in-air alcohol detection systems, which can be installed in commercial vehicles by the end of 2021 and in most new cars by 2024. But here's the trick though, of course. Uh, the driver alcohol detection system is a collaborative research partnership and like anything else can probably be hacked to determine the best way to install the system into new vehicles. Extensive research is being undertaken to fully understand the process of breath stream after exhalation and the breath distribution in the cabin, both from drivers and passengers. New cars will be equipped with alcohol sensing start buttons that will prevent a car from moving if it detects alcohol. The touchpad will be installed somewhere that is natural to the driver, such as the vehicle start button. 
And when the driver presses the stop-start button or wherever the sensor is located, the driver completes the loop and confirms that he or she is the person touching the button. If anyone not in the driver's seat presses the button, the circuit will not be closed and the alcohol measurement will not be considered valid. Uh-huh, uh-huh. All this sound a little too complicated for you? Or it's right. They'll analyze alcohol found beneath the driver's skin surface. Measurement begins by shining an infrared light on the driver's skin, similar to a low-power flashlight, which moves into the tissue. Portion of the light is reflected back to the skin surface, where it's collected by the touchpad. This does not sound like something to you that is completely going to be nonsense and how this is going to be and, and, and how it can just go wrong in just a matter of time, like very, very quickly. But some some uh, cars are already planning on doing it on their own. But I guess my question is, if that's what they want to do on their own, then let them do it. I mean, let the private sector figure that out. Before the federal government passed this bill, some car makers decided that they wanted to jump in and do it themselves. BMW is one. They wanted to have it on there as an option for drivers. But now the state's going to require people to do it. So how that's going to work, of course, like anyone's guess, it's whenever the state mandates anything how soon until it all blows up and how soon until the first innocent person is arrested because their car said they were drunk when they weren't and then they were just, they said that we got to get going, we got to keep moving here, come on. I'm just saying here, this is the kind of thing that makes people think twice about government intrusion into their life. Uh, the president is still speaking, or, no, actually, I'm sorry, he just turned his back on America and walked away. He, that's right, he just, he just, he, yeah, he just tried to do that. He tried to put on his mask. It didn't work out well for him. He finished... My mask, he said. He's outside, by the way. He's outside. He needs his mask on outside because DC's crazy. He signed it. There's Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer. And there's Pete Buttigieg, all the people. And oh, now he's coming over to sign the bill. I see it. Yeah. Come on over. Let's sign the bill. Come on. It looks like a commercial for... Oops, I crapped my pants. You remember that? That's kind of what it looks like a little bit. The bill that he just signed... Or, or, or in his $1.75 trillion tax and spend bill, would raise taxes on 30% of middle-class families, by the way, 30% of middle-class families, just in case you're keeping score at home. But then again, why would anybody keep score at home if they can just try to forget, right? Let's cut through the BS. This is the Rich Zioli Podcast. All right, so a couple of other things. Aren't you wondering why Biden's poll numbers are so incredibly low and dropping and dropping like a rock with like 40% approval rating right now? Are you wondering? Are you wondering? Do you want an excuse? Huh? Would you like an excuse? Let me give you one. It's cause. Come on. You know it. Say it with me. Cause. The University of Michigan Consumer Sentiment Survey came in at lowest level since November of 2011. Look at the story that you guys have made clear you believe you have on what the president has accomplished in the last 10 months. You're also seeing all of your own numbers. What do you attribute that to? Is it just inflation? Is it coverage? Is it, what, what, what does the White House think is driving consumer sentiment to be at that low level? Well, I would say without being an economist, uh, we look at uh, most of these uh, data points through the prism of COVID. Um, and we know that we are in this, the, in this place we are COVID. in now uh, because of COVID, because of the impact of the pandemic. Uh, that has led to uh, inflation. Uh, that has led to supply chain issues. Um, and we know that even on a fundamental human level, people are tired of the pandemic. Um, and so uh, it's hard to get into the psychological mind, which is, is a measure of, of course, different than some other data. But um, we see that um, consistently uh, across, um, you know, 
a range of data and a range of economic analysis uh, and even polling uh, as it relates to how uh, how the current state of play in the country is impacting the American people. Go ahead. There you go. Chris COVID. He's unpopular cause COVID. Oh, by the way, uh, Snarks today was asked about the president calling Kyle Rittenhouse, an American citizen who is innocent under the eyes of the law, of course, on trial for his life there. I mean, you know, not I mean, you know what I mean, but he's still on trial here and, and asked to, the Snarky, the deuce asked Snarky about the president referring to him as a white supremacist. And I'm sure, you know, Saki said the president really, of course, upholds everyone's constitutional values and blah, 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 blah. Something tied to an ongoing court case. Why did President Biden suggest that Kyle Rittenhouse on trial in Kenosha is a white supremacist? So, Peter, what I'm not going to speak to right now is anything about an ongoing trial, uh, nor the president's past comments. Uh, What I can reiterate for you is the president's uh, view uh, that we shouldn't have, broadly speaking, uh, vigilantes patrolling our communities with assault weapons. We shouldn't have opportunities for protests by rioting and burning down the communities they claim to represent anywhere in the country. As you know, closing arguments in this particular case, which I'm not speaking to, I'm just making broad comments about his own view. Um, There's an ongoing trial. We're awaiting a verdict. Beyond that, I'm not going to speak to any individuals or this case. But the president has spoken to it already. And his mom now, Kyle Rittenhouse's mom, came out saying that the president defamed her son. And that claims, uh, she claims that when the president suggested her son is a white supremacist, he was doing that to win votes. Is that what happened? I just have nothing more to speak to an ongoing case uh, where the closing arguments were just made. So now think about this. The the White House press secretary won't talk about it even though the president of the United States did. But the press secretary won't talk about it because it's an active trial and won't respond to what the president of the United States said about it. You understand that? Does that make sense to you? Of, of course not. It doesn't make any sense to anybody. But this is what they're already saying. Like, the media's already decided that Kyle Rittenhouse is a domestic terrorist. Another little montage by our friends over at Grabian. This one, of course, now features the likes of um, some real idiots here. But, you know, I mean, this is uh, (laughs) every time I see that fat Steve Schmidt. But this is what the media has already decided, okay? That Kyle Rittenhouse is, in fact, now a domestic terrorist. And just by virtue of that now, just by virtue of that, he needs to be treated accordingly. So, remember, the media can pre-try him. You can pre-try him. But uh, the White House won't talk about even the president retrying him, pre-trying him, which is, of course, is exactly what was done here. Kenosha shooter Kyle Rittenhouse. He murdered two people, by the way. Rittenhouse is basically what you would have had in a school shooter. He's a 17-year-old kid. He shouldn't have had a gun. He crossed state lines to supposedly protect property. No, he was going out to shoot people. Kyle Rittenhouse, the 17-year-old vigilante. Kyle Rittenhouse, a vigilante. Kyle Rittenhouse, the armed teenage vigilante. A 17-year-old vigilante. Amazing how they all Arguably the a domestic things. terrorist. Picked up a rifle, drove to a different state to shoot people. Kyle Rittenhouse. <laughs> a guy who's deeply racist, went with weapons to a Black Lives Matter protest, looking to get in trouble. He did. He murdered a couple of people. Rittenhouse, uh, the 17-year-old kid, just running around, shooting and killing protesters. You see the 17-year-old who was radicalized by Trumpism, took his AR-15 to Kenosha and became a killer. A white, Trump-supporting, MAGA-loving, uh, Blue Lives Matter social media uh, uh, partisan, 17 years old, picks up a gun, drives from one state to another with the intent to shoot people. A 17-year-old boy mm. who drove across state lines with an AR-15 and started uh, shooting people up 
including a guy with a skateboard. Kyle Rittenhouse, who has guy with a killed protesters, right. unarmed protesters. Not a guy Rittenhouse is a 17-year-old that went with a weapon into the middle of uh, protests uh, and then provoked people and then shot and killed them. Kyle Rittenhouse. I mean, isn't it amazing how off all these people are? But isn't it also amazing how they've all decided everything? This is what they've decided. And, and, and they're all over the place here. They just shot a guy with a skateboard, not a guy who was trying to hit, kill him with a skateboard, according to what the defense argues. I mean, these people don't even show both sides anymore. They don't even show both sides, these MSNBC talking heads. Is the enemy. A boy from out of state drives up to the state with an AR-15 around his neck, I mean, shoots right and kills yeah. a couple right of there. people, uh, shooting wildly, running around, uh, acting like... Uh, Rent-a-cop. Drove across state lines armed with a rifle to go and shoot people. What a dark uh, dystopian scene where a 17-year-old boy is carrying around a rifle, running around and, and gunning down protesters. Got it? That's Joe Scarborough. In case you're curious, that's Joe Scarborough. Uh, so, I mean, what can, what can I tell you? You know, this is exactly the kind of thing that makes people furious. It's exactly the kind of thing that makes people just shake their heads and go, this is why the media cannot be trusted. Because they've all decided and repeated ad nauseum and say the same things over and over again. I, look, I'm trying to tell you. I mean, honestly, I, I'm trying to tell you. I, I'm curious to what the jury will come back with. I don't think the prosecutions proved their case. I think I'm a pretty level-headed guy. These people are not even interested in, in, in what a fair trial here for this kid. And the White House isn't interested in either. They just, they just, they're interested in destroying this kid. We cannot have a country if we lose the right to be innocent under the eyes of the law, the right to be innocent under the eyes of the law. Because that isn't, it, it, so what the Bill of Rights is about is that presumption of innocence in the eyes of the law in front of our government. So we cannot be a functioning country anymore if that's gone. Also, too, what's the point of having the Second Amendment if the minute you have it, then you're guilty of whatever because you've lost your right to self-defense? Because that can be applied across the board at anything. At anything, right? If you have the gun, you no longer have the right to self-defense. Think of how scary that is to freedom and liberty and the republic. It's terrifying. So I'm just telling you right now, if 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 this, this trial will go the way the trial goes. If Kyle Rittenhouse is acquitted, it doesn't have to be found innocent. Remember, it's it's a matter of the state did not fail, did not did not prosecute him. They failed to do what their job was, right, which was to prosecute him. And then if they fail to do that, then he's not guilty. It's not his job to prove his innocence. And if he gets off that stand and walks out a free man, the left's going to lose their minds. There's going to be more protests, probably more burning and looting and rioting. The White House is probably going to have the sick the Department of Justice on him to to look into federal civil rights violations. Oh, you know all that's coming. There's no doubt in my mind about that. And the left will say the same thing over and over again. That judge with his MAGA ringtone of God bless America, because you know that's MAGA, obviously. Isn't it amazing how now it's Trump's fault, too? Uh, Trump, Trump's to blame for Kyle Rittenhouse. Everybody, every, but everything comes back to Trump, doesn't it? Everything. It is, it is actually kind of, in some ways, heartwarming to know that at least they're consistent about nothing, but at least that. Just that... The only thing they're consistent about is blaming Trump for everything. All right, have a great rest of your day today. The uh, defense, the defense, excuse me, still going on with their closing arguments today. Uh, great to be back with you today on the podcast. And uh, we'll do it again, huh? We'll do it again. I'll have to dig up my Beto O'Rourke. You're a rock star. Yay for tomorrow's show. They love the Beto. Oh, there's so many people in the media right now. They are just so excited. Beto's running for governor of Texas. He's going to lose, by the way. You heard it here first.